0: Good morning, it's a Monday, it is Kale & Company live here on 1450 AM WKXL, 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And as is our custom here on a Monday morning at about 8.07, we check in with the head football coach at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos. Coach Santos, how are you on this Monday morning?
1: Doing well, Ken. Thanks for having me again.
0: Well, it's uh, always our pleasure. Great to have you with us. And uh, I know your team is coming off a setback uh, Saturday at uh, at Western Michigan. Your your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, that was, that was a tough one. I mean, obviously a very good FBS opponent who... Um, you know, came into the game one and three at a tough loss the week before. So they were extremely hungry, well-prepared. We knew they were going to be well-coached. They were the aggressor early. Um, You know, they got off to a fast start. First play of the game, ran a kind of a trick play, flea flicker type deal where the running back kind of fumbled it, Um, you know, so our defensive backs kind of ran up and thought they were going to, you know, attempt a running play. They tossed it back to the quarterback and, you know, I ended up getting like a 60-65-yard 60, touchdown. So we're down 7 nothing. you know, a minute into the game. Not our guys fought, you know, but ultimately, you know, Western Michigan scored on the first three drives. So, um, you know, got down 28 nothing. But I think after that point, you know, the bright spot was the defense. Did a really good job. You know, the last 10, 10 drives of the game, they held them to 6-3 and outs. They competed their tails off. So, you know, once after the first quarter, we weathered the storm a little bit. Defensively, I like those guys really did a good job handling the ball and we got to be cleaner on offense.
0: So I was going to ask you in a loss like that where you get behind early and uh, are trailing by a large margin at halftime, uh, are there any positives that you can uh, take away from that game?
1: Yeah, I thought they, they certainly didn't quit. I mean, we cut it to, to 21. It was 28-7 at half and we got the ball. You know, and that's an opportunity there. We were driving a little bit. Um, ultimately, the drive stalled out. And, you know, I think if we could cut that thing to two touchdowns, you know, keep it close, go to the fourth, you got a chance. But, you know, ultimately, we had four turnovers, two fumbles, um, two interceptions, and and we were sacked seven times. You know, their their defensive front was physically imposing. They were impressive. They did a really good job stunting and moving those guys all night. You know, and it just ultimately, it was too much for our offensive line to handle.
0: Uh, how did you come away from uh, Saturday's game? Uh, you know, as as far as health is concerned, any any injuries?
1: Uh, definitely some nicks and bruises. I mean, that was that was a very physical football game, and and you know, a very big um, you know team in terms of stature for Western Michigan. But I, I think for the most part, after looking at the injury report yesterday, <clears throat> I don't think it should be anything right now that's too glaring that to hold the guys out for next week.
0: Well, that's that's a good thing, and uh, also the good news is you were still. Undefeated in conference play at three and zero as you get ready for a home game on Saturday against Stony Brook.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what we got to. You know, we the great thing is, can we still control our own destiny in terms of conference play? And we've done the right things through the first you know uh, month of the season to put ourselves in a really good you know chance to have an opportunity to compete for a championship as the season goes along. You know, those FBS games can be humbling, and um, I think it's a good opportunity for us to. Take a hard look at where we're at and, you know, what we got and which guys kind of have to be out there and and play and give us a chance to win. But we're excited to be back home. It's homecoming. It's going to be a great crowd. You know, a lot of former student athletes and former teammates of mine are reaching out that they're coming back. So just, yeah, really excited for for our guys to have this opportunity to play in, in front of such a great atmosphere
0: yeah as you mentioned, homecoming uh, on Saturday, and uh, you know what kind of an atmosphere there will be uh, on campus the uh, The place will be packed there'll be uh, you know a lot of alums back uh, in the stands, some who have played uh, for the wildcats, as you mentioned, former teammates of yours, so uh, that that's going to be uh, an electric atmosphere on on yeah. Saturday.
1: yeah, it certainly will, and I think it, it's one of the the moments where you just got to appreciate kind of. You know all the hard work and all the people that came before you uh, to kind of set you up to have have success and have the University of the football program be something that you want to be a part of. So I think this is is one of those games where you know we're playing for the legacy of this this story program and playing for all the great players that came before us and you know just find a way to go out there and, and put in a, a good game.
0: And Stony Brook uh, enters the game winless on, winless on the season, but as you very well know, Coach Santos. Uh, Anything can happen in the Colonial Athletic Association.
1: Yeah, there's certainly no easy win. Uh, You know, Coach Peoria's been around for a long time. He's he's a tough, grizzled coach. He's going to get his guys ready to play every single week, regardless of the record. They have a really, really big offensive line. They're going to try to establish a ground game. I think um, you know, time of possession is a big stat in this game. You know, he's going to you know try to work the clock a little bit. Try to keep the ball away from us. Um, you know, Kyle Nunez is somebody who we have to have a really good game plan for. He's their, he's their right guard. You know, he's played, started for four years. He's an All-American type player. So, um, I know they've been they've been hampered a little bit with some injuries. So, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they have at their running back position. Uh, I know a couple of their guys have been down. So, kind of see if those guys are going to be back healthy. But, ultimately, you know, we got to be prepared for whatever they're going to throw at us.
0: Coach Santos, we, as always, appreciate you coming on and spending a few minutes with us on these uh, Monday mornings, and uh, we wish you the best of luck this coming Saturday at 3.30 at home uh, against Stony Brook.
1: Thanks, Ken. Really appreciate it. Look forward to catching up next week.
0: Very good. Thanks so much, Rick. Coach Rick Santos, head coach at the University of New Hampshire, and if you're planning to go to that game, as we mentioned, it is homecoming at UNH on uh, Saturday, so uh, tickets will be at a premium for that one. So if you're planning to go, uh, get them uh, well in advance, get there early, enjoy some of the uh, tailgating that goes on. It's always a lot of fun to uh, go to UNH, especially uh, on a homecoming weekend. But uh, for any football game at UNH, it's always a lot of fun with the tailgating aspect and uh, meeting up with uh, with friends and uh, having a great time before uh, UNH football game and the kickoff time uh, Saturday in Durham is at 3:30 against Stony Brook. Well, as uh, I'm sure most of you know already, Patriots lost to uh, Green Bay in overtime yesterday, 27 to 24. I think they surprised a, a lot of people uh, as-, as in terms of how competitive uh, they were. Uh, Patriots were nine or 10 point underdogs according to uh, some of the odds makers. And uh, third-string quarterback Bailey Zappi had to enter that ball game very early uh, in the first quarter, uh, after backup quarterback Brian Hoyer sustained a concussion. And Zappi, I, I think, uh, played very, very well under the circumstances. Of course, uh, Mac Jones, Patriots' regular quarterback, is out with a high ankle sprain, and. We don't know if he's going to be back on uh, Sunday when the Patriots host Detroit in Foxborough, but Zappi, 10 of 15 for 99 yards and a touchdown pass to uh, Devante Parker in the third quarter. And, you know, Zappi, in throwing that uh, touchdown pass to Parker, he became the first NFL rookie quarterback to throw a touchdown pass this season. If you were to uh, have put your money on uh, Bailey Zappi, being the first rookie to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL this season, uh, you would have made a lot of money, I'm sure, uh, as no one expected him to play, period, let alone play in a, a big game against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And I thought, uh, all things considered, he played uh, extremely well. Patriots now 1-3, and three, and they will host the 1-3 Detroit Lions this coming Sunday in Foxborough, as you probably expected, the uh, Red Sox were swept over the weekend at Toronto, nine to nothing, ten to nothing, and yesterday six to three uh, by the Blue Jays. The Red Sox, thankfully, will be wrapping up their all you can say is miserable season. The next three games against. The Tampa Bay Rays at uh, Fenway Park, a couple of night games tonight and tomorrow night, an afternoon game. We'll put the finishing touches on it. <laughs> Thankfully, this has just been a horrendous season for the Boston Red Sox. They had a couple of good weeks in June, and folks, that was about it. That was about it uh, for the Red Sox, whose, uh, whose play has been brutal pretty much from uh, start to finish. All season long. So glad that season is coming to an end. Aaron Judge did not hit any home runs over the weekend. He is stuck at 61. As the Judge family and the Maris family wait for number 62. Yankees are going to open up a four-game series tonight in Texas. So he's not going to be able to do it at Yankee Stadium if he does it at all. But he is stuck on 61. 61. Yankees play in Texas tonight. They have a day-night doubleheader tomorrow, and then they wrap up the season on uh, Wednesday. So Judge has four more games in order to get to that all-time American League record of 62. Coming up, we will check in with Mike Nakovic, our correspondent on the scene in Florida, to find out what's going on there and uh, talk about the uh, devastation that took place as a result of Hurricane Ian. Back with Mike, right after these words on WKXL and Kale and Company live on a Monday. Thanks for being with us. Kale and Company live on this Monday. Great to have you along with us. And uh, joining us, as he did three times last week, uh, on this program is our WKXL Florida con- correspondent, Mike Nikova. Good morning to you, Mike. Good morning, Ken Kale. How are you? I am doing well. And uh, are you joining us today from uh, one of the most a- beautiful places on Earth?
2: Siesta yes, Key. A- yeah, Siesta Key. And, uh, down in the middle of Siesta Key is called a village, and so that's where I am right now. Enjoying a coffee. Enjoying a coffee at
0: Siesta Key. Life uh, Life no. for you is good, Mike. Cole, <laughs> it is but, very good. But what about the rest of the state of Florida? What kind of uh, impact uh, did it have? Any impact at all? I saw, you sent me a picture yesterday of an uprooted tree at uh, at Siesta Key. Did it have uh, uh, much of an impact there?
2: No, it doesn't seem to have had much impact on buildings per se. Although in downtown Sarasota, I think I sent you one picture showing some panels of glass that were had popped out or blown out of one of the bank buildings in the downtown, and they were putting uh, plywood uh, on those uh, openings. But other than that, mostly tree damage. It's mostly been a palm tree and uh, oak tree and all the other trees that we have here, mostly damage. Uh, Mother Nature was a good landscaper last week. She definitely pruned a lot of the trees.
0: <laughs> I guess so. I guess yeah. so. The, the the death toll uh, in Florida seems to climb uh, uh, every day as the search and rescue operation continues. I think it's uh, but uh, close to around a uh, little over 70 now, something like that.
2: Yeah, this morning I saw the latest numbers. I saw 79 people 79. that unfortunately okay. have died in the, in the state due to the storm. Um, the the power situation, about 2 million people have had their power restored. Uh, 80% pretty much have had their power restored. Uh, but, you know, it's really holding back the uh, the restoration of power and other services. Is um, the flooding. The, a lot of the rivers have just begun to crest, which means that, um, you know, roads, Route 70, Route 72 in Florida, for those people that are uh, familiar with the area, um those have been flooded parts of 75 down near Fort Myers, yeah. from uh, Englewood to Fort Myers, water on, on those roads. But that's that's the least of the damage. But until you get the rivers to, to come back to normal, where the water is just at the you know, flood level, then you can't go in there and replace the down power lines and restore power and services. So that's what's holding up. Most of the power restoration will occur in the next two days, and then anything that's left after that is definitely due to uh, the uh, the flooding that's gone on with some of the rivers in the area.
0: But but you never lost it in Sarasota.
2: No, I'm um, cities sometimes will luck out because there are power grids that are very favorable to cities because that's where a lot of people live and there's a substation that's not that far from where I am, but less than a quarter of a mile. And no, I never lost power. Um, friends of mine, uh, in our, the walking group that we have, everybody lost power except uh, me. And uh, quite a few of us lost Wi-Fi, but that got restored for me a couple of days later. But most of uh, most of Sarasota is starting to come back to life. But Venice, Anglewood, I hear, was uh, um, severely damaged, impacted by the storm. And then, of course, Punta Gorda and Fort Myers.
3: Oh,
0: but when I see the pictures of uh, Fort Myers Beach, I mean
2: it's almost total devastation down there. I mean, well, I, I never, I haven't, I've been to Fort Myers just like to the ballpark, yeah, um, to the Red Sox, but I've never really been in toward the the beach. I mean, when I when you have Siesta Beach up here, it's kind of hard to travel other parts of Florida to go to their beaches because ours is so good. Fort Myers Pier, there's a very famous pier down there that's well-known to travelers and the vacationers. And you should see the picture of it. it, Just the concrete pilings that Mm -hmm. supported the wood walkway and the building at the end of the pier, just the concrete pilings are left. All the wood is gone. I mean, it's it's a picture that my description doesn't do justice to the... the, uh, destruction that occurred. Yeah. It, it's And literally, it almost looked like there was an Somebody had said it. I uh, yeah, try not to use that phrase too often, but it looked like a nuclear bomb had hit it. Yeah. If you remember seeing pictures of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, World War II, at the end of World War II, um, and you look for miles and miles of land that had a gray... Everything was destroyed. It was very gray-looking. That's what uh, parts of Fort Myers were looking like. Yeah. It was as if everything was just lifted right off the foundation.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and I hope I don't know I have not heard about the downtown uh, Fort Myers area,
2: but uh, I would imagine well,
0: that they sustained some pretty severe damage as well.
2: I would think the the only area that I'm familiar with hearing about is just the beach area. Yeah, you know, literally, they had six. You could see parts of uh, the beach where the the water had eroded at certain which allowed water travel to flow right into the downtown that they, they had nowhere else to go water will go where it wants to go and uh, i feel badly for the people parts of fort myers i mean i have friends that just moved from seattle that are down in fort myers they weren't hit quite as hard if you look at their picture of their street i think i might have sent that to just some of the trees looked like they were damaged but other than that a lot of people have those screened uh lanai's uh, over their pools, a lot of those were damaged. So there's going to be a lot of people getting a lot of calls for work to replace a lot of screens and porches and uh,
3: yeah. uprooted
2: oh. trees. I mean, if you need people in New Hampshire, it's, it's too bad uh, with all the, the wood that we have now that's, that's been cut up. It'd be perfect for people in New Hampshire and up north for their fireplaces. I mean, we don't have a lot of fireplaces. True. Very true. <laughs> and, and you have all this wood that's been freshly cut. And yeah. It's a shame. I don't know what they're going to do with it. But. Yeah. Wow. That, that is a good point though.
0: So what, what, uh, what is the public's perception down there of how uh, governor DeSantis has handled the crisis?
2: They haven't done any polls, but I mean, any of the people that are interviewed are very happy to see. him. He's been on the air quite a bit. Um, he actually traveled to Northport yesterday, where there was a, a a lot of damage. I mean, they're not even allowing. I thought about taking a day trip yesterday to go down to that area, um, but it's flooded. He was in a, in a, one of those airboats that you see sometimes in the Everglades, yeah. and so he's been, he's been very visible, uh visible, visible um, probably miserable about the whole situation. But he's, I think he's done a good job. I mean, it's it's you have you. Can, you, you have to put your resources where you think that you're going to need them, and when the storm was going from Tampa to Venice to North Myers, um, you have to shift resources quickly, and um, he, he managed to do it. There's only so much you can do when a Category Four hurricane, you know, you know, drives right in through the middle of your area. I mean, there's there's going to be destruction caused, and some of these people lost homes. I mean, I know two people myself who lost their homes in Fort Myers. Completely yeah. completely gone. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that, I think they're happy with him just because I think, you know, you, you kinda give your public officials the benefit of the doubt. And he's very commanding when he's on doing his news conferences. you can tell that he's had leadership positions in the past beyond being governor. So I think I think he's done a good job. I mean, given the situation.
0: Now you mentioned Northport, and uh, that, if I'm not mistaken, is where the uh, Braves' spring training headquarters is located. And I saw a lot of flooding, uh, as you mentioned, in that Northport area.
2: Yeah, um, next to the stadium. I mean, they're developing that area. I mean, yep. that area is going to be huge in the coming years. But there are there's a lot of empty land, so um, I'm I'm not sure how the stadium fared. I tried going on Facebook to, to see. if the uh, team was commenting about when because they have a tiki bar that uh, I know they it's, keep, they it's keep for, open. We've it's been there first place you and, took
0: me when I landed. There I in, know uh, over a year
2: ago. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> open every day from yeah. eleven to eight. Yeah. And uh, I, I haven't seen anything. Uh, they just said they will be uh, opening when it's safe to return and that sort of thing. But I'm I'm, I'm going to guess that there maybe some of the roads heading toward the park are still flooded. They'll have a lot of downed trees. But, again, that area is being developed quickly. Um, but, you know, trees don't develop quickly. So you don't, I mean, most most of the tree damage will be in well-established neighborhoods down there. But that particular area doesn't have a lot of uh, building going on, at least right now.
0: Well... Mike Nikovic, you, you have been ordained now, our official uh, Florida correspondent here on Kale and & Company. And I, I want to thank you so much for uh, you know being on with us uh, now four mornings here uh, on the wow. show. So I, I know you'll be asking for a little compensation pretty soon. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you down some popcorn from Springfield.
2: Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great.
0: Thank you, Ken. And, uh, and good luck to you. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even say good luck to the Tampa Bay Rays uh, in, in the postseason.
2: Yeah, let's hope they do well.
0: All right, Mike. Thanks so much. You're welcome. I appreciate Bye. it. Bye. 8.31 is our time. Coming up, we're going to talk with our good friend, Psychic Sue McPhee, about something spooky that's going on this coming weekend in Hillsborough. We will do that right after these words. Kale & Company live right here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. It is Kale & Company live. It's a Monday. And if you missed any portion of this program or simply would like to hear it again, we will repeat it for you right after 7 o'clock this evening here on WKXL, 1450 AM 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 FM in Manchester, and streaming around the world and around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And, uh, Kat, you're going to like this segment. I guarantee you, you will love this segment.
1: I'm so excited. Uh,
0: Because, uh, yeah, you should be excited because uh, we have to say, first of all, happy birthday to Hillsborough because they're celebrating 250 years. How about that? Hillsboro is 250 years old. Wow. And they are commemorating their anniversary. And uh, this Saturday, uh, Hillsboro 250th is presenting Haunted Hillsboro. And, Kat, I know you like things that are haunted. And Hillsboro, uh, if it's not already, will be on uh, Saturday. And uh, joining us is our good friend, I like to call her Psychic Sue McPhee, noted author. A noted uh, psychic, although she doesn't really relish that title, but she's very good. And uh, she does everything well. And uh, Sue, we uh, we welcome you back to Cale and & Company, and uh, great to have you with us.
4: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: And I know you are going to be a, a big part of uh, the, the Haunted Hillsboro event that is taking place this Saturday afternoon into the evening and yeah. uh, it all begins around uh, four o'clock and, and you're gonna kick it off uh, from uh, I, sure. right is that true yeah you uh,
4: I, I will be one of the starters um there's several things that will be going on at four they're actually um, advertising the event is going from four in the afternoon till about 8.30 in the evening yeah so I do have several little, uh, segments that I will be responsible for between those hours, and 4 to 6 will be the storytelling. I can fill you in on what those will be like, and then 6 to 8, back to the chair and the table for psychic reading.
3: Mm,
0: nice, <laughs> and uh I know uh, from uh, 445 at the historic, I'm not going to say haunted, but the historic schoolhouse, yes. uh, Psychic Sue, you will be telling some Spooky, scary stories
4: Oh yes, oh yes I'll be doing that actually twice, back to back So from 4 to 4.45, we're going to be advertising that for the younger kids um, Say ages 6 to 11, 6 to 10 You know, maybe a little bit younger But, you know, I think you have grandchildren too, right? I do And when they're real young, you kind of don't want to scare them too much because there's such a thing called a nightmare. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we don't want them up all night uh, keeping their parents awake with nightmares. So so they're spooky, scary stories, but they're funny, spooky stories. There aren't um, any in there In my collection, I hope, (laughs) that will scare the little ones uh, half out of their wits. So it'll be fun. There'll be some interactiveness with those stories. And I'm bringing in a bunch of little, um, those glow lights, those glow glow rings that they can wear as bracelets. And what I tell them at the beginning, when this is for the younger ones, if you wear this bracelet and you get scared, you just touch the bracelet. And there isn't a witch, a ghost, or a goblin. Or a monster that can ever hurt you.
0: Oh, there you go. And so they're
4: going to have that. That'll be for the younger people, the younger crowd. Okay, and that's and at then the from uh, yeah. from five, so that'll be like the first hour, You know, we'll, we'll clear the decks and we'll get the older people in. And I say, these stories are appropriate for age 11 to <laughs> 111. Okay. And those are going to be a little <laughs> more scary, a oh, little boy. more heart-pounding, a little more. And some of them are 100% true.
3: Ah. Now, a
4: scary story, you know, you can talk about goblins and ghosts, and people know, wow, there's no real such thing as that. Well, I'm not so sure about the ghost part of it, but when someone talks to you or tells you a story about something that happened to them, now it becomes more real, yeah. now it becomes more scary, and they're left thinking, did that really happen? So those are the kind of stories that will be told in the second half of the story segment from five to six. Then I hustle on across the street, float across the street, if you will. Uh, I'll leave my broom at home. And <laughs> I will join the other readers, psychic readers, and understanding that in addition to myself, there's going to be eight more readers. So we're going to have oh. a house full. House full of readers. This is all going to happen at what they call the Center Clubhouse. It's a very old building, very historic um, people will be around explaining the history of the building, the history of the graveyards, and things like that. Um, so I think some of the psychic readers are going to be outside in a tent because they prefer being in the uh, outside air. Uh, but I'll be on the inside, and there'll be, looks like, nine of us. There's a fee. Everything um, there mostly is free. The stories are free. There's a band playing music that's going to be um some traditional and some some different kinds of rock and roll uh, but um and that'll be free, but things like food they gonna be selling the food, and the stories are free, but anytime there's a reading, there will be a small fee from each of the readers they have charge their own little whatever they charge and I'm told most are keeping their t- fees very reasonable between fifteen and thirty dollars. So we have angel card readers and tarot card readers and psychic mediums and pet communicators and there's all kinds of different types of as we as you and I have talked about before there are different types of ways that individuals with what I will have to call a higher intuition I think we all have that but eh, some of us kind of tap into it a little more um, so many ways of scratching that intuitive spot of being able to connect with a person's energy field, with a person's spirit, and being able to bring forth information. So, as, as what do I tell people when they come for a reading? You know, listen, ask questions, do both. Feel free.
0: Well, absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned uh, pet communicators. And Say
4: that again.
0: You you mentioned uh, there's going to be a pet oh, a pet, yes. a pet oh. communicator there. A pe-
4: a, yep, a yep. pet communicator is able to um, make that connection, the intuitive connection with pets, whether they are present or not. Ah. Now I've seen this uh, happen, and sometimes a person will bring um, a picture of a dog, a cat, a horse. Um, I had a woman tell me a story of, she went to a pet communicator, um, and they wanted some information about the horse. The horse wasn't doing well. The horse was still on this side, hadn't crossed over. And so this woman gave them amazing information. They went home, and they worked with that information, and the horse got better. So pet communicators, to my understanding, is uh, the ability to uh, communicate intuitively with a pet that's either present or unpresent, could be crossed over. Sometimes a person will be very, very uh, distraught, and as well they should be when they lose their own pet, a dog, say. So they'll bring a picture of the dog, and they want to know how the dog is, and the pet communicator will actually give them really specific information that confirms to that person, this is real. They really did communicate with that animal. As I said before, they don't have to have crossed over or passed on. It could be a pet that they have at home or a lost pet. I've had people ask the pet communicators, where's my cat? She hasn't come home for a while. And the pet communicator will give her whatever information she's intuitively picking up about the pet. But that's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Now, have you ever communicated with a pet, Sue?
4: You know... (laughs) Strange that you should ask. Um, In in different ways, yes, in different ways. Um, There was one time there was a missing cat, and um, I discovered where the cat had gone. Unfortunately, the person wasn't able to go to that place, and it it never really transpired, but I I felt that the cat was okay and alive. Another communication, though, happened. I was working in a nursing home, and... That particular home did pet therapy with the residents. They might bring in a chicken or a, a dog or a cat or a bunny. This particular woman walked in with an enormous Great Dane. Oh, what a beautiful Dane. Mm. So I was walking towards the animal you know, in the opposite direction, and all of a sudden the animal just looked at me and took his large body and just shoved me to the wall and held me there very gently but strongly. I couldn't get away. (laughs) As if he was saying, you're mine and you're not going anywhere. (laughs) So we all had such a laugh about it, but the dog would not let me go for a a solid 15
3: minutes.
4: Wow. So somehow he must have recognized me. Maybe we were... doggy brother and sister in another life. I don't know, but that dog was not like Kindred
0: spirits somehow, anyway. Yes! Sue McPhee is with us. Sue, uh, can you hold on for a couple of minutes? We have to take a quick break here, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit more about Haunted Hillsboro, which is coming up this Saturday in beautiful Hillsboro, celebrating its 250th anniversary. Sue McPhee is with us. We'll be right back. Kale & Company here on WKXL and NHtalkradio.com. Stay with us. Don't touch that dial. Kale & Company live here for a Monday. Great to have you along with us. Joined by Hillsborough's own Sue McPhee. And we're celebrating Hillsborough's 250th anniversary. Sue has not lived in Hillsborough quite that long.
4: Uh, well, we're not sure.
0: Uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> My spirit could have walked this territory uh, uh, in another way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Haunted Hillsboro is coming up Saturday starting at 4 o'clock. Sue will be there to uh, kick things off with some spooky, scary stories uh, at the uh, historic schoolhouse uh, in Hillsboro. Again, the first session from uh, 4 to 4.45, 5 o'clock. Uh, is for the younger children, uh, ages 6 through 10, 6 through 11 maybe. And then at 5 o'clock, some uh, scarier stories. Uh, also at the historic schoolhouse for the uh, older kids from 11 to 111.
4: <laughs> I hope we get someone that age.
0: Uh, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, that would be great. And also what we haven't talked about yet, uh, mm-hmm. we, we talked about the fact that you will be doing some uh, some readings and uh, others yep. will be as well for for a small fee. Yep. Uh, and but uh, six to eight, uh, they're also having haunted cemetery tours.
4: Oh, yes, and that's going to be very, very interesting. And that's going to be conducted by um, one of the town historians, Christina Chadwick. She is currently the president of the Hillsborough Historical Society, uh, and she's going to give a guided lantern-lit tour through the gravestones, talking about the rich history of the presidents that are buried there. Who knows? There may be a spirit or two that come out to greet those that are brave enough to go on the tour.
0: Wow, so uh, that will be from <laughs> 6 to 8, the yeah. Haunted Cemetery right. Tours, and uh, it's suggested that you bring a lantern or a flashlight. Uh, that helps, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you
4: don't want to trip over any old bones.
0: Uh, ver- very true, very true. <laughs> so, th- so that'll be very intriguing.
4: Yes, we probably could should um, start by also giving people an address that they can plug into their GPS. Yes. Okay, so the address is 27... East Washington Road in Hillsboro. That's 27 East Washington Road in Hillsboro. It's the old it, it's what's called the old Hillsboro Center. Now, sometimes when people come into Hillsboro and they go through what's called the Main Street, West Main Street and the di- different stores, they think that's Hillsboro Center, but it's not. You have to go further out
3: ah.
4: and follow follow the road out there. So, um if you GPS it, that will get you there, definitely. 27 East Washington Road. And if we, if they want more information or if they haven't like taken note <laughs> on what we've been saying, there's also a website. And so the website they want to go to is www.hillsborough, and that's, gonna, that's spelled with the U-G-H at the end of it. <laughs> yes. Hillsborough yeah. with a U-G-H nh250.org. But if you type in any kind of Hillsborough, New Hampshire 250, um, it should get you there, and then you can click on any of the events, because this isn't the only event that's happening. The actual anniversary was when the town was incorporated in 1772, and uh, on November 4th, So so The actual date is November 4th, but there's a whole bunch of things happening before that. People have really gotten together and put some ideas. This is only one of many, the Haunted Hillsboro event, many, many events that will be happening throughout the, and have already happened throughout the year. So I'm hoping folks can tap into that website, Hillsboro, New Hampshire, Hillsboro 250, Hillsboro, New Hampshire 250, and come on up here. I mean, we're not that far from most. Other places? Oh, not not at there all.
0: Is. Not at all. No, Discover no. Hillsboro uh, for sure, it, it'll, but it'll <laughs> be a haunted at Hillsboro yeah. on uh, this Saturday. But certainly a lot of other events uh, taking place as well. And if you missed right. it earlier, there will be uh, great food available for this event. So no need to eat ahead of time. And
4: no, no. A, um, there are. Uh, there's a barbecue restaurant in town that's going to be barbecuing there ah, called nice. RJ Barbecue. They're relatively new in town, and all the feedback I see online is amazing. People are absolutely loving it. Uh, Bennington and Hillsborough PTOs, parent-teacher organizations, are bringing homemade foods in as well. And there is a fee for that food, too, and all of that would be to benefit local schools. Um, There's going to be games uh, by Project Genesis, that is uh, the teen center here in town. That starts at 4. So there's a lot for the kids to do if they don't want to (laughs) listen to the spooky stories. Crafts by the Girl Scouts are going to be there. Um, There's also a very special woman coming in, one of the psychics, and her name is Elena, I hope I'm pronouncing her first name correctly, Elena Swan, doing a group reading. That one is free. That's going to be up at the Center Club, and she is a very interesting person. I haven't personally met her yet. I am looking forward to it. Um, We had a little bit of a Facebook conversation, and I'm absolutely intrigued by what this woman has to offer. So the group reading, she's going to start people off with a very relaxing meditation Get relaxed, nice and open. She'll use essential oils. And now, back in the day, (laughs) when I was traveling with a bunch of psychics about 30, 40 years ago in Massachusetts, they would call that a gallery. I don't know if you've heard that term before, but a person would be um, coming in and, and they would be spotting people in the audience that would deliver messages from heaven. It might be from people that have crossed over, Uh, people who need to hear from their loved ones. Uh, This woman also channels angels, spirit guides, anyone from the light that needs to speak to them. So it's going to be very personal, but it's going to be open. It's going to be in a group, and that's always intriguing. I have a very, very good friend from Massachusetts who continues to do that. She's done that for years as well. And we met on the radio, too. So it's all connected, right?
0: It, it is all connected. And so Elena <laughs> Swan, five to six.
4: Yep, and, and she's going to do that. At, yeah,
0: She'll be she's at also, the clubhouse, right, at the center clubhouse.
4: Yes, and she's yep. available. Says she's going to have her own little tent outside for private readings.
0: Very good. But so, she is going to have a group reading that's free, correct?
4: The group reading is free. Right. Yep.
0: Very yep, good. The group and, uh, reading meeting
4: is free, and we're all looking forward to that. Unfortunately, I won't be able to attend because I will be telling spooky stories. That.
0: But you don't mind that a bit. I know
4: Oh, that, not so. at all. I'll probably tap in and connect with her later. <laughs> those, we'll exchange readings at some point.
0: For those who don't know, Sue has given uh, any number of one-woman shows uh, over the years, and uh, she is just uh, incredible at doing that. And uh, so I, I know that her spooky, scary stories are going to be uh, equally as entertaining and spellbinding as, uh, as her one-woman one woman shows. So uh, that, is, uh, that is going to be great. Sue will be uh, doing the, reading, the, uh, the stories from uh, 4 to 6 and then the, the readings after that. So, That's Sue, correct. you're going to be busy. When are you going to get um. your barbecue?
4: Busy. Oh, I don't know. I have to do a takeout. I have to take it home. So I'll also be bringing the two books that I published. Yes. And I will have, sell those at a discount. They're only going to be ten dollars a piece at the uh, at the event. And I'll sign those,
0: but, obviously. But the question is, will you autograph them?
4: I think I'll manage to have enough energy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I promise I won't use disappearing ink.
0: <laughs> well, this is going to be quite an event, Haunted Hillsboro, yes. as Hill, Hillsboro is celebrating 250 years as as a community, and uh, and that is fantastic. It has to be, I I would think, one of the the oldest communities here in the state at 250 years of age. Yes,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Several others have had um, similar ones. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, I haven't looked at the statistics as which little towns and villages are older than that but uh in New Hampshire was settled a very very long time ago yeah. and, and you know think back harken back to the days of different presidents we had um one of the presidents Franklin Pierce yeah. lived here for a while and so there's a lot of history, a lot of history. And I do believe that the woman who is coming uh, to do the, the little tour, the graveyard tour, if you can handle it, <laughs> will have a lot of information.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And uh, so most people, I would imagine, would be going up uh, 89, Route 89, to get to this event.
4: Uh, uh, well, if you're coming from the south, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what people generally do is they take 93 to 89 north. Yeah, yeah. You get off at exit 5 okay. uh, to get into Hillsborough yeah. and follow your GPS. Get right into Hillsborough and you're, you want to look for that 27 East Washington Road. East Very good. Washington Road, and I'm sure there will be different signs um, pointing in the right
0: direction. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure there will be, and again, uh, if you want to get more information, it's HillsboroNH250.org, and the hills, yes. Hillsboro is spelled, in this case, which with the uh, O-U-G-H, not, you know, like uh, B-O-R-O, but uh, <laughs> B-O-U-G-H. So bear that in mind, the historic spelling of Hillsboro. That's
4: correct. Yes. And many other towns, too.
0: Very true. Very in true. Many other towns.
4: Yeah, the boroughs.
0: Yes, the boroughs.
4: <laughs> We're one of the boroughs.
0: All right. Well, Sue McPhee, always great to hear your voice, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on a Saturday, Haunted Hillsboro," And uh, get a reading from uh, Sue McPhee and hear some. Scary stories from her as well. Sue, thanks so much for letting us know about it.
4: Oh, thank you.
0: All right. Have a great day and, uh, and, will. A, and an outstanding time on Saturday.
4: Oh, I plan on it. Oh, thank you. I
0: you do. I know you do. Know you more do. people come.
4: <laughs> come one, come all. On.
0: Yes, indeed. Thanks, Sue. Appreciate it. Thank you.
4: It. Bye-bye. I
0: have to wrap things up for this edition of Kale & Company live on WKXL, if you missed any of it, we'll do it again. We'll play it right after 7 o'clock tonight right here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Have a great Monday, everybody. See you tomorrow.